Episode 18 of the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast. Today I talked to Pastor Chase Rep Logo about being a pastor and a writer. Welcome to the Prolific Christian Writer Podcast, where we believe you can change the world with your words. Follow an indie author and pastor and his guests as they share inspiration, tips, and advice on how you can honor Christ and change the world by writing fast, writing often, and writing well. I'm your host, Tian Doan. Now let's get on with today's show. My guest for today's interview is Chase Rep Logo. He's a pastor in Springfield, Missouri, and uh, he's a bivocational pastor. He's a web designer and a writer, so he has a lot of different jobs, and we talk about that a little bit. He uh, also uh, is a podcaster. He, he started a new podcast called The Pastor Writer Podcast. You can find that at pastorwriter.com. It, the podcast is a, it, it, let me read what the bio says. It says, uh, the show takes a contemplative look at the writing process for pastors and church leaders pursuing their call to write. This was a real fun interview for me because I have a lot in common with Chase. I'm a pastor, I'm a writer, and a podcaster, so we got that in common. And uh, we talk about his uh, first book that he has just written, and he's trying to get it published. It's called Discontented, and we talk about his journey. And so uh, I hope you'll enjoy this interview with Chase Rep Logo. Hey, uh, Chase, this is probably the most difficult question I'm going to ask you uh, all day here. You ready for the for the most difficult question? All right, let's see. Okay. Uh, Chase, uh, what do you do? You seem like you're a really busy guy. <laughs> what is it that you really do? Yeah, I do a few different things. So I, I will tell people that I'm bivocational. Uh, I am a pastor. So my wife and I planted a church here in Springfield, Missouri about six years ago. And so I do that. The church stipends me for some work a couple days a week. And then in addition to that, I do freelance web design and marketing work. So work with um, a lot of nonprofit organizations as well as some small business. And then the third thing we can throw on top of that is uh, I've been pursuing writing. So over the last few years, I've been kind of squeezing that in as well. And uh, so do a podcast, the Pastor Writer podcast at pastorwriter.com and then uh work on writing in addition to that so okay you're a pastor so you gotta you gotta you gotta preach you gotta lead a team you're also hustling doing uh, websites and uh, graphics and other things uh you started writing and now you you're podcasting too so that's that's at least four things there <laughs> yeah, uh, my father-in-law used to say, "So you're trivocational." <laughs> I like said, quad. "Too many vocationals." Yeah, yeah. Quad. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you you remember this if you're old enough, but uh, you know, there's uh, that old show, uh, skit comedy show in Living Color. They had a had oh, yeah. a skit uh, with mm-hmm. the Jamaicans. You remember they were those Jamaicans like, "Hey man, you you lazy bum, you only got three <laughs> job on." You know, that's talking about uh, man, this guy. You know, uh, always always hustling. So that's good. Yeah. Well, well, and I've written about it a little bit. I actually think, um, you know, I've embraced being bivocational. I know some pastors are in a big hurry to get out of that. You know, how quick can I figure out a path out? But, um, you know, and if that's God's will, I'm more than happy to do it. I think there'll be a day that'll come along. But right now, I've sort of found a balance to it, and there's been some good things that it's really forced me to say, okay, what is the core of who I am as a pastor? What is really most important to me? And I really just focus on those things. So our church is pretty simple, and that's by design. And um, being freelance, doing web design and marketing, that helps because I control my own hours, so it gives me some flexibility. So, yeah, it's busy, but I've managed to make it work in such a way that it um, it feels like it empowers the ministry the way I want it to. So it's been a good thing. You also have some built-in excuses to like miss uh, some some boring 
committee meetings and things like that? <laughs> well, I do say, you know, when, when your people know that you're putting in 40 hours of work just like they are, um, man, when you ask for things, I think it, it gets you a little bit of respect. And if you show up for something, they know you're showing up just like they are. So, uh, yeah, it has its challenges and there's times that are harder than others. But uh, by and large, I think uh, the people respect when I'm willing to do it as well. Yeah, it's like when you show up someone's house, they're like, uh, what's wrong? <laughs> why, why are you here? Yeah. What's wrong? What happened? Yeah, or when I ask them to show up for something, they say, okay, if he's showing up, I guess I can show up too. It's important. It's important. So uh, uh, can you can you tell us about how you got into writing? Was it something that you, you've been wanting to do for a long time, or how'd you get into writing? You know, everybody, when you ask this question, I ask this question to guests on my podcast a lot, too. And everyone seems to say, you know, when I was a small child, I knew I wanted to write and I've been writing stories my whole life. And um, that's not really been my path. Um, I, through childhood, kind of came to the conclusion early on that I wasn't a very good writer. And I think it's part of what pushed me more towards speaking. And I sort of it wasn't like a traumatic experience or anything. I just sort of said to myself, that's not where my skill set is. But especially through college and then on developing into to ministry books have been really important to me and my reading has sort of grown more and more important and uh, I do think this happens for a lot of writers you just get inspired you read things that are so moving or powerful to you and so it helps you say I want to do something like that I want to be able to give like that and so uh, back probably in my seminary days uh, several years ago I worked on a, a book that will never see the light of day <laughs> I was in the stage where uh, you just sound like the people that you're currently reading and impressed by at the time but it was a good discipline you know I could okay it can be done. I can't sit down and write. And then a couple of years ago, I said, um, you know, I think this is something I want to I want to give more attention to and more focus and think long term about developing. And so over the last um, year, I've really been working on a full length book manuscript that I finished up a few months ago. And I'm in the process of some final revisions and edits. And and that's been uh, me just making a commitment. You know, there'll be more to come after that. I am not putting everything in one book. I just want to keep practicing it and have some discipline and just see what God does with it long term. Uh, what what was your uh, first book about? Was it Amish zombies or something? What was it about? <laughs> no, 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 no. I have not gone down the road of fiction. I think everybody who writes nonfiction, like somewhere in the back of your mind, wishes you could write a novel at some point. We'll see. I've got a few ideas, but that's a whole other skill set I'd have to start over on. I uh, the, the first book I wrote um, was really sort of, uh, it was about my understanding of the core Christian principles, my faith. It was really an articulation of what is the gospel. And so I tried to walk through that part personally, but part theologically. And like I said before, um, I, th I think what it did is it helps me realize, number one, you can actually write a book. If you sit down, if you put the time in, um, it is an achievable goal. And two, it also helped me realize I haven't found my voice yet. I just sound like the people that I'm impressed by in reading. So while I don't think that's anything that will ever get published, it did really help me start realizing, okay, here's where I need to go next. Here's where the work lies. And a lot of those things I feel like I've been able to start resolving in, in later projects, later work. I, but you uh, you type the end and you finish the project, even if no one else see, uh, sees it or, or you ever get any um, money uh, royalties from it, it. How did that feel just finishing a, a book project? Uh, it feels good. It's majorly rewarding. And for most people, there's a lot of people who want to write. And so maybe they're writing articles, they're writing blogs, and there's this dream to write a book someday. And it seems like such a massive goal. And so for me, really early on, just to say, I know I can do that. Um, that it's not uh, unachievable. Um, just to say, it's I've done it before. I know I can do it again was really, really helpful in me deciding I want to do this a second time and a third time. And I want this to be part of my calling and what I do long term. So just getting that barrier 
standard entry down and one under your belt, I think is really important. Uh, I want to talk to you about um, the project you're working on now, and also w- on your your, your uh, podcast and your and your blog. But uh, um, you're working on a book called uh, Discontented. Let's talk about that. What's that about? Yeah. So yeah, I, the way I sort of explain it is, my entire life growing up, uh, you always hear this message that who you are, your identity, your purpose, your destiny is about looking inside your own heart. So if you find your desires and you pursue your desires and you step out of other people's expectations and just really try to find who you are on the inside, that's the path to destiny, to purpose, to calling. But I think that's a trap. And I think it because the Bible teaches it, but also it's been my experience as well. There's this sort of discontentment that's so big right now amongst millennials, amongst men in particular, I think, where we've given our whole lives to pursuing this dream. I think you experience it in writing as well, this image of who you want to be and who you're going to become. And then, you know, here you find yourself 30 with two kids and a mortgage and a car payment, and you still haven't paid off student loans. And so you start saying, it didn't. it's not that it's all bad or wrong or unenjoyable. It just, it hasn't panned out the way you thought it would. And so for me, I was wrestling through that through 30s and came across the story of Samson. And Samson's story is really about a guy who is constantly pursuing his heart's desires. He's constantly pursuing anything that he finds interest in. And in the end, it all betrays him. It's not just Delilah who betrays him. It's his own people. It's its own calling. In some ways, it seems like God has even abandoned him. And so I wanted to use Samson's story to explore this modern process of identity formation and self-discovery. And what does that look like through faith? I like it. Uh, you need to get that out there because I, I might have to steal it for some sermons uh, for myself there. Well, like most pastors, part of it started there. So I uh, obviously I preached through the book of Judges and just recognized even in preaching it, these stories were important for me. And then spent uh, really about over a year just sort of wrestling through that story and just trying to come to terms with everything that's there. And then beginning that process of writing it, which always if you've ever sat down with sermons and said, you know, if you think it's as simple as I'm just going to take those sermons manuscripts and turn it into a book, it never works like that. It always ends up going places and being bigger than you had originally expected. And that was true with this as well. Actually, uh, one of the reasons why I started writing, you know, I'm a pastor too, a church planner also, yep. and um, I, it was just, I'm a frustrated preacher, and I, I, I felt like, I always feel like my sermons are only like half done, and I wish I had a, a, a do-over, but I, you know, I have to put it in a drawer, and I feel like, man, there's some great thoughts there, I wish I could take it out and redo it someplace, so that's, those became the books that I, 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 I wrote. It's because it's like, I want another opportunity to fix this thing that I, I wish, you know, so that's, that's uh, kind of one of the inspirations of why I started writing. Yeah, I heard you say that on one of your podcast episodes, and it really resonated with me right off the bat because – and I don't know if I had realized that, but it is true. I mean these sermons come at you so fast week after week, so you've got you know, really six days to work on this next sermon. And even when you feel like you've done a good job with the passage, you still – you sort of always know there's more there, right? I haven't really fleshed out everything. Right? You know, One of the things that's really important for me with sermon preparation is uh, I've got to internalize this for myself. So even if that doesn't come out in the actual 
words of the sermon. Like it better be real. It better be something I've processed personally. And sometimes you're right. I feel like I get about 80% of the way there too. There, and then, Hey, you got another passage the next week. So I do think writing has been a really, uh, in some ways a gift to be able to say there are these moments or these themes or these topics I come across in my preaching that I think God by his leading and also by my own need are, are sort of giving me this opportunity to go deeper and really wrestle and ask more personal questions of that text. And that's exactly what this story of Samson has been for me as well. Yeah. Um, so this book um, is not published yet, and uh, you haven't uh, you haven't published any of any of your writing um, yet. Is that correct? That's right. Yeah, I'll, I will never say that I'm an author at this point. Um, I'll say that I do writing because I'm working on it. Uh, you know, as of right now, and I, this is a question that's up in the air for me. Honestly, uh, listening to your podcast and so many others, I think a lot about self-publishing. I have nothing against that. It may be the route that I go. Um, I think I am going to at least pitch this book and see about the traditional publishing route, although I've got questions, and we'll see how long I'm willing to give that process. But um, we'll see where it goes. So I'm, I'm kind of up in the air on that question right now. So on your uh, on your website, there is two thoughts that I that you wrote about or you you uh, spoke about that I found uh, intriguing. I want to uh, talk to you about it. Um, okay. The first one is that you're practicing in public, and the second one is uh, a, a recent um, a podcast that you recorded uh, with yourself, just yourself on there talking about your personal, giving up on your personal obsession of getting published. So let's talk about those two ideas. Um, number one, practicing in public. What do you mean by that? Yeah. So part of that is uh, if I wait to hit publish on something until it's perfect, which is my impulse, that's my, uh, my nature, right? Like I don't want, I mean, you see, I haven't, I haven't officially released this book yet cause I'm literally still doing some revising and still rethinking. And, um, I knew that could just be a black hole. Um, nothing would ever come out of. And I also realized that some of the things that have been most instructive and most helpful for me in writing have been hearing about how other people have approached the process, have handled the craft, have wrestled through questions about publishing. And so I just decided um, if I was going to, you know, we can talk about this platform question, but if I was going to build some sort of a platform or start speaking to an audience, I wanted to just force myself to have the kind of transparency to talk about how the writing's evolving and where it's coming from and what it looks like behind the scenes and how I'm trying to grow in my craft, as well as bringing on people and writers and experts onto the podcast to ask some of those questions questions that I'm interested in. So what you're getting, I think, with the podcast is not just what I know about writing. It's more what I'm learning about writing, what I'm wrestling with. Um, and hopefully some people that are in the same place will find that meaningful as well. So that's kind of what I mean by practice in public. So do, do you feel like and so this I'm going to push you on uh, this thing about holding on to this manuscript, because if it's practicing in public, uh, why not? Why not get it out there and self-publish? You know, I, I, I'm totally there. I think there, there is a day coming where, you know, we'll see how long I give the traditional route, but I'm not opposed to that at all. And what I'm trying to do in the meantime is, because I think this is an important one too, and this will take us to that, uh, the podcast you mentioned about burning the book. Uh, I also want to explore and try to be transparent about the publishing process. So, um, you know, I'm going to blog and talk about, I've got a couple agents coming on the podcast in the future, and I want to be able to wrestle with the decisions I'm making in that process and what those awaken in me and my struggle with it and just try to be transparent about that. And should I come back to the self-publishing, I think I'll document that part of the process as well and hopefully be able to share it because um, yeah, the 
the publishing process can be a little bit maddening. It can, uh, I think it exposes things in you and in your desires and in your heart that maybe you hadn't been fully honest with yourself about. And so I just try to be honest with that as I come across it in myself. Man, Chase, you're a smart cookie because an agent would not talk to you um, just if you, you know, sent them a letter. But but you're a podcast, you know, you got a podcast, you're come on and, and be interviewed. So that's that's pretty good. You could you get some advice straight from some agents there. Yeah, that's, you know, honestly, that's definitely a part of the the podcast as well, too, is it just gives me a chance to ask people questions that if I didn't have the podcast, I might not get a chance to ask questions to. So uh, maybe it's a little selfish for that part, too. But it um, um, uh, one of the big takeaways I've, I've had over the last year from the podcast is just how valuable these relationships are in the industry. And I, again, I'm kind of the guy this is me trying to practice in public. I'm kind of the guy who would rather kind of wall myself off in my home office and write and just do it in isolation and obscurity and I don't tend to get out and build those relationships, but I'm realizing the more of these relationships, the more people I bring into that process, um, the more confident I become, the more, the more clarity I have. And in many ways, the more fun it is too, to be able to just, uh, expose what I'm doing to other people and hear what other people are doing, even conversations like this one. So let's talk about that. Uh, your, that, uh, obsession about getting published and how you, are letting that go or how you're dealing with that? Well, everybody's going to have their reasons for why they're trying to pursue publishing and to be fair, why they want to be successful self-publishing too. I don't think that automatically um, avoids the wrestling of this question of why you're doing it. What is motivating you? And we all tell ourselves, you know, it's the story, it's the book, it's the message. Um, but I, I know for myself personally and for others I've talked to, it's not always quite that pure. There's something about you know, a publisher saying we want to buy your manuscript and publish it under our name, our logo that feels um, like credibility, that feels like value. And I know there's a little bit of that for me, too, that if somebody believes in this thing and buys it, then I can feel good enough or feel like I've done something valuable. And so uh, a lot of what I explore in that podcast is just trying to be honest about why I'm writing and my own struggle with that, the obsession that can sort of build off of it. And uh, how do you come to terms with really, especially as a Christian writer, right? Thinking about this as calling, what is the reason, what is the motive that I'm actually sitting down to do this? And I think about this, I think pastors, if they'll really think about this, uh, they've got a leg up on this conversation because we've already started to wrestle with some of this in pastoral ministry and preaching, right? If you approach sermon preparation and preaching as just lots of people showing up and lots of people being impressed, you're just not going to be able to sustain it very long. You, you have to be, when you go to the pulpit, when you're preparing a sermon, you recognize that first and foremost, you're doing this as an act of faithfulness and an act of discipline for God. And yes, we want to take the people there. It's seriously. And yes, we want to be able to share that message with more of them, but it's not just about the approval. It really has to be an act of worship before God. And so how do I keep that focus when I start writing as well? When you're pitching agents and talking about book proposals and marketing something and trying to get people to buy it, um, how do you keep that same focus that at the end of the day, this really is about something God has called me to do and regardless of how many people read this thing, although I hope it's more, I still am going to try to approach it as faithfulness to God and, and being honest with who I am and honest with what I'm reading in this passage and in this story, in this scripture, and doing it just faithfully and letting God really handing it off and saying, God, I'll be faithful to whatever you want to do with this work, but I don't want to get ahead of whatever you're doing and force it myself. That's a, that's a good word because I, I think for me— um, with the whole traditional publishing industry, it, 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 
enters into the question like about platform and about writing to market about what people are interested in you know versus what has god put on my heart so that's one of the that's one of the things about um you know for me why self-publishing um is is a good option for me so uh, I appreciate yeah, and that. It's, you know, it, it, you can kind of take like, I have to be really careful when I say this. I actually literally in the book proposal I have for this book I'm working on, on this section of platform, I try to explain a little bit about how I, I try to think about it and approach it. And I literally have a line in there that says, I realize this can all sound like a lame excuse for not having a bigger platform, right? Like, uh, I'm just trying to be faithful to God, you know, like that can be this kind of hipster thing to say, like, I'm, I'm not going to build a platform. I'm not going to do marketing. And that's not what I'm trying to say. I think... I think it can be fine to build an audience. I think it can be fine to try to promote the work that you've done. If, if you really believe in the message, then it deserves it. But what I'm trying to say is I can't allow that promotion, that marketing to obsess in my soul and become the de- definition of my value and who I am. And I have to be willing to walk away. I have to be willing to burn the book. I have to be willing to let go of it and know that this isn't my identity, the success of this. And I think if you can do that, then it actually frees you up to do some of the promotion, some of the platforms, some of the marketing in a more honest way, in a way that doesn't just crush you with expectation, which I know so many of us feel and so many of us have struggled with in the process. So your uh, your podcast called The Pastor Writer, um, it talks about the calling and the craft of, of writing. And uh, you have just a uh, a handful of episodes in, um, but uh, uh, what what's the focus of that podcast, and why do you think it's important for Christian leaders and pastors to to write? Yeah, so two good questions. Um, the, the first one, um, there are plenty of good resources out there on getting published. There are plenty of good resources out there on self-publishing. There's some really good podcasts. I listen to several of them. There's good books. Um, the one hole, and there are pockets of it, places to find, but the hole that I wanted to try to fill was more of a contemplative look at writing, the process, the craft of it. Um, even as we've been discussing it, I think you'll hear that, you know, what happens in your soul? How do you approach the, the work itself? This kind of contemplative look at writing. And uh, again, uh, one of the things I've just been fascinated to explore is how that intersects between the work I'm doing writing and the work I'm doing preaching. So uh, in both cases, there's an audience. In both cases, I'm trying to present a message. Um, you know, in the type of writing that I'm doing, I'm usually bringing scripture and trying to walk through what scripture's teaching. And so there's so many of these places where they do overlap. But then I'm finding, as we've kind of already pointed out, there's some places where they're really quite different. The craft does kind of go in different directions. So that's what I wanted to explore. And and I've also just found that, like I shared as my sort of story coming to writing, I meet so many pastors who books have been important for their spiritual development. And because of that, they really have this heart to say, I think I want to give back by writing. There's there's something in my heart that says I want to take what I'm doing, some of this work, some of this reading, some of this teaching and put it down in the written form. So maybe it does last longer than just the sermon or just the message that I was delivering. Uh, How's your experience so far with uh podcasting and interviewing authors and agents and and yeah How's that I like a, pod, a podcast is a great format. Number one, I'm just I'm big on the platform because uh, it's it's one of the few like if you want to get my marketing side out here, it's one of the few passive forms of uh, of content. So you know, good luck trying to get somebody to read your your blog for an hour, right? But I listen to an hour long podcast every time I mow the yard or go on a long car trip, and so uh, it's also super personal. I mean, the fact you and I get to sit down and have this conversation and people get to listen in, and um, we're not you know I don't have this thing controlled, but we're just seeing where the conversation 
conversation goes and what's sort of on both of our minds. I think getting to know people personally like that through a podcast is really, really valuable. I'm still learning the format, um, how to handle interviews, how to, how to ask the right questions and keep the conversation going. And I try to mix in on my podcast, both interviews and then also personal reflections. So it's a work in progress like everything else, but so far it's been a lot of fun. I'm enjoying doing it. So, I mean, you've got this one too. I think you've got more episodes in than me. So I'm curious to hear, uh, uh, the podcast experience, how it's been for you as well. Yeah. Um, my problem is getting a diversity of, of guests because I'm they're starting to say the same thing because I've realized the people that are coming on the show are kind of in the same, uh, uh, I don't know, same stage as I am. Just kind of starting out, trying to figure things out. And we're kind of – so I'm uh, looking forward to getting a few more people in from different perspectives. But I enjoy it. It actually – it's kind of like you're, you're talking with uh, you know your own, your own tribe because I don't meet – a lot of people in real life that says, oh, I'm a writer. This is what I'm passionate. I, I barely meet people who read, right? So um, to talk to people who are just as passionate about, about the written word as I am is just exciting. But, uh, yeah, I, I'm learning a lot um, along the way. That's actually why I started it. It's just because it allows me to, to learn on the job also. Yeah, I sort of think of it the same way I do the writing is that we've kind of already talked about the discipline of it is valuable, first and foremost. Second of all, I just enjoy the conversations and I hope other people do, too. And then third, you know, hey, if a lot of people or some people happen to listen and enjoy it as well, great. That's better for all of us. But just the discipline and the conversations. I mean, this would be a great conversation, whether we were recording it or just doing it for each other's benefit. So you, you've interviewed uh, some writers and some even writing coaches. Uh, what? What have you learned from them? What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned by interviewing the folks on your podcast? Yeah, one of the best things I did uh, early on was hire a writing coach, and I uh, I talk about that a little bit on the uh, the podcast interview I have with Mick Silva. Um, I some people will resonate with this. I had been writing; I have was a few chapters in, and I kind of had this feeling where I just didn't know what I had. <laughs> Maybe that's a weird way to put it, but um, you know, hey, the thing's written. It, uh, like, is it good? Is it bad? Well, like, what do I need to work on? Do I need to just you know f- forget this and go back and read a textbook on punctuation before <laughs> before I try to do anything more? And so I. Uh, I I found Mick sort of out of the blue online and uh, said, hey, here's what I've got. I'd love for you to take a look. And if you want to give me some input, I'm more than happy to pay you to do it. And if you send me a direction, I'll go that direction. Or if you want to do coaching ongoing, great. And he agreed to do that. So we worked together through this entire uh, manuscript and usually every other week doing about an hour call. And uh, I do that with pastoring as well. I have a pastoral coach. It's a, an older pastor who every other week we jump on the phone for an hour and we usually just talk about, it's nothing formal, but anything I'm facing in the church or personally or just spiritually. And uh, I, I didn't realize a few years ago how important that was for me. But just having, like, even this, as we've said in this conversation, having someone I can talk this through with, someone who sees the value in what you're doing, the accountability of following up over a period of time, that was really valuable in the process. And so I hope hope um, you were saying, what have I taken away from these interviews? I hope that comes through the value of these relationships, the editorial, the coaching, anybody you can kind of bring in and build a bigger team. I think those have been really valuable. Um, I think one of the other themes to come out of the podcast so far is that um, 
this is hard. I, I don't know how else to say it, but writing is not easy. You know, I'm, it's it's kind of ambitious to say you're going to do this and you don't always know where it's going to lead or how it's going to work out. And I don't think anyone's alone in that. Even, you know, I just this week had Mary DeMuth on and um, she's written something like over 30 books and teaches on writing and even hearing her talk about, you know, it's a challenge. It's a struggle. You know, you're, you're constantly saying what next and how do I do it better and how do I keep improving? And so you might as well just learn to enjoy the process because um, uh, what you're experiencing right now trying to write this first book or second book is not entirely different than what you'll be experiencing 20 books in. It's just it's hard. Yeah. It, the interesting thing that I've heard from from authors is – um, you know, even the ones that have written and, uh, you know, uh, bestsellers that there's this, uh, uh, what is it called? Like, um, like, uh, like I'm a fraud. I'm a, I'm, I'm, uh, it's, it's like people are going to uh, find the me The Imposter out. syndrome. Impo- yes. That's the word I was looking for. The, yep. the imposter syndrome. Like, like I'm faking it. People are going to find me out and, but they've written 20 books already and they're still feeling that way. And it's kind of interesting that, that even people that, at least from my perspective, they're very successful, but I guess they're looking at people ahead of them uh, feeling unsuccessful. So it's kind of a matter of perspective, I guess. Yeah, and it's why I just keep saying to myself, you might as well enjoy the process because um, if you're looking for all the joy to come and some big payout at the end, my experience is it, most people are telling me that it's not what they expect. Um, sure, it's rewarding. Sure, you know, it can be it can be feel like a big accomplishment. But the real joy, I think, is just in doing it, learning to enjoy the process, learning to enjoy the craft, being able to do it, whether there's people reading or it's just you before the Lord. If you can learn to just enjoy the process, then, man, it's all gain. Everything on top of that's just still better yeah i think i think we resonate uh, resonate uh with a lot of our perspectives because i wrote this a list of uh, 10 things i call it to like my manifesto the uh, one one is writing is a form of worship and uh, i think you agree with that but also um one statement that i wrote down to remind myself is that the work is the reward that the reward yeah. isn't, you know, um, getting, uh, you know, getting uh, five star ratings or getting a contract, but the the work itself, the writing, the 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 craft of it, and um, so, you know, I really resonate with that that perspective. Yeah, and hey, you got you have plenty more books on Amazon than I do right now. So I mean, <laughs> you and I are in very different places. I'm at the very beginning of this process, and so uh, for me, I don't want to try to pass it off like I have this whole thing figured out. But I can say the one thing I I am constantly reminded myself is it I just enjoy the writing and if I can enjoy the writing then what comes next let it be what it'll be and I'll enjoy it as well as just keep writing uh what are some of the most common struggles that have you heard of or maybe you even experienced like you you know uh, through your interviews what are other people um struggle with you talked about we talked about imposter syndrome what else I think perspective is really hard to keep, especially the longer you're working on the same thing. I talk about this in uh, one of the podcasts with Blake Atwood, who's a uh, freelance editor, and uh, I think we talk about the discussion under objectivity. How do you how do you keep objectivity about your writing? So how do you read something that you've just written and read it as if you know you've picked up a book or picked up an article for the very first time? And um, having the perspective to to be able to really be honest with yourself about what's working, what isn't working, how to improve it, um, that can be really hard. And, and 
the best part of writing, the thing I enjoy more than anything else is the rewriting. It's being able to see what you have and see it getting better with each pass you come through. But I think with each pass, it becomes harder and harder to read it new. So I'm constantly doing things to try to trick myself. So I'll print it out or I'll have my computer read it back to me. Or I actually had, um, when I was close to being done with this book, I printed up some just paperback copies real cheap. No, no, not even a cover on it. Just so I could see it on a page because I wanted to lay in bed with an actual book in my hands and read it that way. So anything I can do to sort of trick myself and to think I'm reading it for the first time, but keeping that objectivity, I think can be a real challenge in the process. Great. You, you have any craft tips that uh, you've learned or you've picked up for writers out there who are just kind of getting started? I think, um, you know, uh, you hear the advice right with the door shut and then there's a period where you write with the door open. I think that's been a really learning learning the discipline of that. I think that's from uh, Stephen King. Uh, you might remember as well. I think that's one of his points in his book on writing. Uh, that's a really hard one because early on in the writing process, I start feeling insecure about what I've written and I want people to read it to make me feel better, right? <laughs> like I want somebody to read it and say, hey, this is really good. You're on to something. But it's usually not ready at that point for someone to read it. And so learning to give myself time and space and uh, protecting that to say, I'm going to do this the best I can. But then there being a time where you say, say, okay, it's time to open the door. It's time to let somebody else in. It's time to start giving some people. I had a couple of readers uh, um, in my congregation that really early on I passed manuscripts to. And even before things were cleaned up and worked out, just because I wanted conversation, I wanted feedback, and they were really helpful in that process. So having a plan for that, um, I think, is a really important one. What am I going to do on my own? And at what point in the process am I going to start inviting people in? And who are those people going to look like? What am I looking for from them? Because um, if you're just throwing stuff out all the time, looking for feedback, so it's encouragement, um, that could be a hard game. What was that like, giving your manuscript to some church members? What was that like? Oh, well, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I think you've done this too, but it's a terrifying process, right? And so the worst is uh, the worst is when you give it and then you don't hear anything and you're like, okay, it's either so bad they don't want to tell me or they haven't read it, which both cases are not good ones. And then usually, you know, you have to remind yourself that even though you're working on this thing nonstop, everyone else has a life and they're not going to read your entire 200-page book in a weekend. And so, um, um, you know, I picked people I knew loved to read. I picked people that I knew would get where I was trying to go with it. And that was a great part of the process was just the conversation, the thinking through how I was approaching topics with those people. Um, that was really one of the joys of, of doing it. But how about you? I'm, I'm sure there came yeah. those points for you where you got to start giving it to somebody to actually read. Yeah. Well, it was a breakthrough for me because um, I've, I've, written a, um, uh, I've written a lot and I never finished anything. And there was this girl, and Pam, if you're listening, this is you. I want to thank you for this. But I, I told a girl uh, in my church, um, and I, I, I gave her a deadline. I, I, I wasn't done, but I said, I'm going to give you a manuscript before, this was like two Christmases ago, like before uh, Christmas, and you're going to have to keep me to that. And if I, I need to give it to you before. And so I set a deadline, and that forced me, because I was doing that, in private, in secret, doors closed thing. And I told her, I'm going to have to give it to you. And then when I gave it to her, um, my, my goodness, I avoided eye contact for like weeks and weeks. I couldn't talk to her. I couldn't even go up to her. I was like so nervous. I was like, you know, it's like in junior high, like insecure, you know. And she came back and she gave me all these notes. And um, I told her, 
this is not ready to be published. I need to work on it a lot. And but I want you to give me your thoughts. And she actually said, if you clean it up, you could publish this right now. And she gave me all these notes annotated and uh, she put it in like, wow, this section made me cry this section. But I mean, there were some there were some uh, criticisms like, hey, you keep repeating this like um, but. Uh, she really, I don't know, that that was a huge breakthrough for me to have someone that, you know, actually read it. And, and But, of course, it took me another, I don't know, several months before I rewrote it. And I actually, you know, I still, I was like, well, what does she know? There's only one person. So um, <laughs> I, I struggled with that. I didn't believe what she said. Um, but so what happened was I put that on the shelf and that was actually my second book. Um, I, I didn't feel like I could publish that because it was actually a more personal book. So I put it on the shelf and I worked on a kind of a leadership book. And um, but then I went back and that uh, it became my second book, Blessable. And it had more personal stories in it um, because I was actually, you know, a little bit more insecure about talking more about personal things. So um, but that was the breakthrough. I when when Pam said I like your writing. You're a good writer. Um, I finally allowed myself to believe that that I could write. So it was a huge breakthrough to let someone someone else read it. Yeah, that's kind of what we've been de- describing. I had the same experience, and it's this realization that there's probably more going on in your soul, in your need for this, than just putting words on a piece of paper, right? I mean, that's what we're both saying, that like my self-worth and my value got tied up in this thing, and it made it really hard to trust it to somebody else. And part of this writing process, I think, is just being honest, like learning to deal with that stuff, learning to ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why is so much on the line? What is really at stake here? And then... Um, finding people who can exactly what she did for you, be able to say, here's the good, here's the bad. And then you being able to take that and actually process that without it crushing and saying, okay, right. Like there is a reason I'm doing this. It's not just my identity. It's not just my value and just keep at it continuing in the work. So yeah, that's to me, one of the big gifts of writing is not just what you produce, but the process and what it produces in you, who it helps you become through the process of doing it. What have you learned about yourself in the process of writing? Oh, that's a big question, isn't it? Um, Has there things that surface (laughs) that you're like uncomfortable with about yourself? Oh, sure. Yeah. And and I think part of what develops as well, too, is just big holes in your life. You know, so writing through Samson, I would hit topics where I would think, I don't know if I've explored this enough. And well, one of those areas. So I write a whole chapter on competition. Um, Samson, if you read Samson's story, it's pretty obvious to see the bio. By the way, way, uh, just uh, off to the side. Yeah. Just curious, did you did you write a chapter on the like four hundred foreskins of Philistines? Like, did you? Write I did a- not. No, nope, I did not get to that. So, Dude. no, just just Samson. So that, that'll be another one. I think I've preached on that passage though, that, so I'm sure it's online. So that could be a good cover. <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that to somebody else. That's probably not mine. So, but I, um, when I was writing on Samson, um, you see the violence just escalating between him and the Philistines, and he keeps having these lines like "It's over when I say it's over" kind of thing, and it, it just each time they react to one another it gets worse and worse and more violent. And uh, I can't I, wrestling with that passage and the violence of it. I began to recognize just the competition, and uh, got reading some really good um, authors on competition and violence and 
how it impacts religion. And through that process, I, I really don't know if I had given much thought to my own competitiveness. And I, I loved sport. I loved baseball growing up, but I was never any good at it. So I ended up watching more of it than I ended up playing. So I kind of said to myself, well, I'm not competitive, right? Like I'm not doing sports, therefore competition's not a thing. But I had not been honest with myself about all of the subtle ways that competition works itself into things like writing, things like pastoring, things like friendships and living in a neighborhood. And so that chapter really forced me. It took me longer on that chapter than some of the other chapters because I just realized I'm going to have to work some of this out personally before I can really write about it. There were several places that happened in the book. So sometimes you go into a book and I think it you, you get what you're going to have to do, what you're going to have to be vulnerable about. And then other times in the writing, I think sometimes it exposes things you weren't fully aware of. But that's good, right? That's the process. And I think yeah. if you're willing to do it and be honest about it, that's where the value is. Like if I'm just going to write, you know, this is what this Hebrew word means and this is what this commentator said about this passage and there's nothing wrong with that, but that 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 exists. That's yeah. not the kind of writing I was trying to do. I was trying to really put myself in the story and let the story shape me. And so uh, everything's about your willingness to, to step into it, to be vulnerable with it. Yeah, those those books – have no soul that when you're not really in it and and the reason why I I like reading books is it's not just information I, I want to see it processed through someone else's life and soul and uh, it, it that's one of the reasons why I I, I enjoy um, reading memoir um, because it's a person looking back on a certain period of their life and trying to figure out like what what was that about and when I read Christian books. I, I, I love those scenes of memoir where where like you're talking about Samson or talking about this principle, but you're like, you know, this reminds me of this time I was struggling with competition and and like, wow, I get it. Like that's that's processed through your soul. And I, I, I thoroughly enjoy those types of books. Yeah. And there's, it's both. I mean, I'm, I'm glad there are people who have dedicated their lives to really understanding the nuances of the text. And I want to learn as much as I possibly can. I mean, I, I try to really do my homework on Samson's story because I want to get it right. I want to understand the original audience. I want to understand what the author's doing literarily in the original book. Um, but it's not enough for what I'm trying to do to leave it there. I wanted to take the next step and say, so what does this mean about all of our search for identity? What does it mean about self-discovery? What does it mean about self-discovery today? in the world that we inhabit and live in with all of the cultural expectations that are given us, the storylines pitched at us. So, um, you know, I just tried to push it further and you only get there, I think, by being willing to be honest about it first in yourself. Um, can you uh, describe who your influences are? Like, like for example, uh, someone asked me um, to describe like who I want to kind of – who I want my writing to be like, or, or, or if I had a mashup. And I said, you know what? I kind of want my writing to be like a little bit John MacArthur, a little bit Chuck Swindoll, a little bit Malcolm Gladwell, a little bit Anne Lamott with a memoir, and and a little bit Jerry Seinfeld with just like some humor, <laughs> uh, observational humor. And because uh, especially Christian books, I I find them quite boring and like I, it's hard for me to get through. And so I, I, I want to, uh, you know, add some, some, some levity, uh, but process through, through who I am. So, so that's kind of like my influences, like who, who are your writing influences? You're trying, you're saying you're trying to find your voice. Um, who are your influences? 
Yeah, good question. Um, I do think you're right. I'm trying to find my voice in that I think sometimes I have biased too much to the voices of people that I like. And I've tried to give myself the freedom to say I I don't need to write like like them, although you're correct. Like I think inevitably your influences have a huge impact on how you do it. So for me, um, those influences have probably been early on. Tim Keller was really important the way that I thought about faith and developed. Um, I went through a big Dietrich Bonhoeffer phase where I was reading everything Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, and then probably the real cornerstone of how I've approached so much of writing has been you. Eugene Peterson. So um, he really give, gave me the freedom, I f- feel like, to say, um, I can I can do this differently. Um, I can I can really try to be honest with who my voice is and approach it that way. A lot of that came from just wrestling through and reading a ton of Eugene Peterson. So that's been an important one. Um, C.S. Lewis is an important one. I keep a C.S. Lewis quote index book here with all my writing material. So even if it doesn't make the cut, I'm always interested to see how he's thinking or handling um, certain topics or passages. And then um, I do read pretty deeply in uh, biblical study material. So I'll, sets of commentaries are usually really important in my study. And so that sort of rigorous academic work, I think that has an influence in how I approach the writing as well. What about uh, writing uh, craft uh, books? Uh, you mentioned On Writing by by Stephen King. It's like one of my favorite. I would recommend that, getting that on Audible for anyone because Stephen King reads it. It's just like the best. I mean, it's amazing. I've, I've listened to that a bunch of times. I've never read a Stephen King book in my life. Uh, except for on writing, because I, I don't like that horror genre, and it's scary, you know? I don't yeah, know. I'm the exact same boat. <laughs> I've so, never read any of his books except for the one on writing. But what, um, what, of course, what you've mentioned... Books? Yeah. yeah, you've mentioned Anne Lamont. I think that's an important one. I actually have a list of these on my website, too, that people can sign up um, and, and sort of see the ones that I've read. Um, uh, on Writing Well is an important one. Zinser? Um, of course, yeah, uh-huh. uh huh. I read that one really early on, like even before I sort of made the commitment to writing. And I think of it as a little, I think of it as a book that you just constantly come back to and just sort of like open a chapter and read and then remind yourself, oh, I need to be paying attention to that. That's, um, a, that's another uh, one to, that, that's another good one to get uh, the audio because. Uh, um, I'm pretty sure Zinster reads it. I I, I really enjoy oh, the nonfiction ones that the author reads. Um, it just brings a little life to it if they're a decent reader. But uh, yeah, those are great books. What? Anything else? I'm, I'm making a list. Strunk and White, you have to mention their book. Um, it's sort of like one of the go-tos, so it sits on my desk as well. I can't stand um, that. Then, I can't stand that book because bre- I break all the rules. I mean, I'm like, oh my <laughs> well, goodness. But you have to know them. That's all right. You can break the rules, but first you have to be able to quote them and know them, right? <laughs> so um, so that's an important one. Um, I'm big on – I'm obsessed with quote books. So I already mentioned Lewis, but I have like three or four of these that are like the Oxford quotation book and several of these. So I'm always trying to um, um, just – find new ways to read more stuff about what I'm thinking. So we said competition earlier, like, okay, I'm going to read every quote I can come across on competition because something will catch my interest and then I'll go pick that book up at the library. So I'm always reading deep research wise too. Um, I think that covers some of the ones, like I said, I've got a list on the website. There's a really interesting book. Um, I'm turning to find it on my desk here called the Christian imagination by Riken. It was published by Waterbrook and uh, Philip it Riken? Really, yeah, yeah. I don't know if you've seen this book. It deals a little more fiction than not fiction, but uh, he subtitles it The Practice of Faith in Literature and Writing, and it's a collection of essays from just a ton of different influential Christian writers over time, and that's a really fascinating way, to, fascinating one. I haven't made it all the way through it, but I enjoy it. Oh, that's great. I'm going to check out that resource. Uh, Chase, uh, 
I think you have a preview of your book that uh, you are allowing people to, to check out. Uh, um, can you talk about that and, and point people to your website and your, your uh, podcast? Yeah, thanks. Um, PastorWriter.com, you can subscribe to the podcast there, and I'll keep people up to date as I'm working on the book. And like I said, just try to be transparent about the process. And then I have a sign-up form. If you are interested in the book, sign up for that, and uh, I can connect and send you a chapter if you're interested, um, as well as I'll just let you know um, down the road what path it ends up taking. But eventually, one way or another, eventually you'll be able to get that book. So we'll see what form or shape. But uh, appreciate it. Appreciate um, the work you do as well, too. So I'm a fan of your podcast. It's I'm subscribed to it. It's on my phone. And so I uh, try to catch all the episodes. So thanks for all the work you're doing and your generosity, just giving back to the community as well. By the way, uh, that cover is an amazing, that's an amazing cover. I, that's, uh, yeah. Um, for that book, that's not published yet, but, uh, right. Yeah. Like I can't help myself. Like part of designing the cover for me was thinking about how to angle the book. Like what's the, you know, you're writing a book proposal. You got to think about who's the book for, what's the, the angle here, the, the sort of core of the crux of the message. So doing the cover design helped me process that. Is that Ronald Reagan's head on top? It absolutely is. Dude, yeah, I wonder I if anybody it. would catch that. I got so. it. I got it. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, hey, so, I'm a Midwest guy. You know, I've got a little not as an impressive beard as the beard that's in that that book cover. So it's it's a little mashup of sort of uh, you know me. I think a little bit too. Awesome, awesome. So uh, Chase, uh, pastorwriter.com. I highly recommend uh, checking out his podcast. Thanks for your time. Hey, thanks, Tiana. I appreciate it, and uh, thanks again for all you do. Thanks for listening today. We hope you found it helpful. If you like the show, please help us spread the word by subscribing to the podcast or by leaving a rating or review. You can connect with me on my website, tndone.net, where I have lots of helpful resources available to you for free. My website is tndone.net. That's spelled T-H-I-E-N-D-O-A-N.net. See you next time. And remember, you can change the world with your words.